Amen. You guys, I got so fired up about preaching today that I forgot there's a video. My bad. Um, But welcome to Catalyst, all of you guys that are joining us in person and online. Uh, This is a great day. Uh, Before we get into into, uh, this, just remember, I want to invite everybody back at 530 on Sunday Christmas Eve service. It is fantastic. It's Catalyst tradition. We do it great. And then on the 26th, uh, the brunch, like I said, we're going to be in here at 1030. Bring your best stuff. The brunch is always a great time of fellowship. It's great. Um, Also, on a... uh, Kind of a personal, uh, just a prayer request. Um, my uh, my daughter and her husband are now on the honeymoon. They're down in St. Lucia in the Caribbean. You know, 80 degrees, beaches, really suffering. Okay, so if you guys could just pray for them, I'd appreciate it. And I know they're watching. So anyway, all right. So we are getting back into uh, Revelation. This is part six. Of our, of our series, The Return of Christ, and the main thing today is that this is the second greatest day in the history of the world, the first being the resurrection. This is the second. So if you guys are just now joining us for the first time, uh, we, this is a very abbreviated timeline. The first thing that we saw five weeks ago was that Jesus calls to the churches, calls them to get their houses in order because of what's about to, what's about to arrive. Uh, then the church is, is raptured. Then, then there is instituted a one-world government with the, uh, with the Antichrist as a, as a leader of the one-world government. A cashless society happens. Then the Antichrist signs a peace uh, treaty with Israel. Uh, and and then that marks the beginning of the tribulation, the seven-year period, uh, where we see the seal judgments first, first round of judgments. The second is the trumpet judgments, each one increasing in severity. Then we see the rise of the false prophet and the one-world religion. And then after, after that, there's the, when the mark of the beast is given, where people can't buy and sell without the mark on their right hand or their forehead. Then we see the bold judgments targeting people that took the mark of the beast. And now we get to the big moment, and this is the return of Christ. This is the end of the tribulation. All right, so this was foretold 2,000 years ago uh, in Acts chapter 1, 10 through 11. The apostles had just seen Jesus raptured to heaven. He, he He had risen, he'd been with them, and then he was just taken up to heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 10 through 11, uh, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you in to heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So that was 2,000 years before this event. So Revelation 19, 11 through 16 details the return of Christ. John writes this, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. Verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the return of Jesus we're talking about here. And we time this because there are two big times where Jesus arrives on earth. First is Christmas, second 
is this. So uh, going through Revelation 19 through 21, I basically kind of broke it down into, after reading this thing, desiring the return of Christ. Here are seven reasons why I desire the return of Christ, why I am eagerly expecting this. Reason number one, I want to see Jesus receive the glory he deserves. Right, Revelation 19, 16, on his robe and on his thigh, his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm, I'm telling you, people, one of the things I'm tired of is the minimization of Jesus Christ in our culture. Are his name more as a swear word than anything else? His name is blasphemed, minimized, forgotten, taken lightly. I want to see Jesus receive the glory that is, that is due him. He's the son of God. The world does not acknowledge him as the son of God. There are many churches and millions of Christians that don't acknowledge him as the Son of God. See, Jesus arrived at Christmas as a baby, but this time he arrives as a conquering king. The first time Jesus was here, he was given a crown of thorns. This time he receives many crowns, a crown of a king. The first time Jesus was here, he arrived as a servant. This time he arrives as a warrior with justice and wrath to vanquish the enemies of God. The first time Jesus was here, he was here to sacrifice. This time he is here to judge and make war, the Bible says. The first time Jesus was here, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. This time he arrives riding a war horse. I am so tired of people minimizing Jesus. I'm weary of his name being mocked and ridiculed. I'm weary of his commands being ignored and, 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 and laughed at. I'm weary of a culture that thinks his words are irrelevant and ancient and foolish. I'm so tired of every time I turn on the TV or long on the social media, seeing people thumbing their nose at him and his ways. I'm tired of lukewarmness in the church and half-hearted commitments to him as if he were unworthy of our full devotion. I'm tired of that, you all. I want to see Jesus receive the glory that is due him. I'm yearning for the day he returns and, sees, and, and is seen as the Son of God. King of kings and Lord of lords, see him truly lifted up, worship, given all the glory he deserves. Uh, guys, my favorite movie of all time is Hacksaw Ridge. As a matter of fact, that's the last movie I saw in the movie theater because I just don't think it can get any better than that. Uh, it's a story of Desmond Doss, who was a conscious objector uh, uh, during the World War II. He was a medic. Uh, he would not carry a weapon, but he was served in a combat unit. He was laughed, ridiculed. He was beaten up. He was court-martialed. He was all these things for not carrying a weapon, for refusing that. But in, in Hacksaw Ridge in Okinawa, he wound up saving the lives officially of 75 people, dodging Japanese patrols, dodging the enemy, uh, this kind of thing. The great, one of the greatest uh, heroic acts in the history of, of, uh, of the United States military. And in the movie, after he has saved, saved the last person, and he jumps off Hacksaw Ridge back down to the American soldiers, okay, there's this amazing moment where... He's walking back through the, 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 the ranks of the, of the American troops. All of the mockery is gone. All of the ridicule is gone. All the scoffing, all the, 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 everything is gone, and there's nothing but just stunned silence as they realize they've witnessed the most courageous act in their lives. And they, the, the, here is here Desmond Doss, this, this person they had, they had minimized, all of a sudden being shown to be the most courageous person they'd ever met. And the, their jaws were on the ground, and there was just this stunned silence as he walks past them. And when Jesus returns, it's going to be that times a million or a billion, all right? Rulers who persecuted Christians 
uh, uh, atheists who had mocked and scoffed, lukewarm church members who had minimized Jesus would just stand there like those soldiers just watching in, in stunned silence and awe at the Son of God being lifted up to who he is. I want to see that day. I want to see the day where Jesus receives all the glory that is due him. Second reason is that I want to see the Antichrist and the false prophet receive the wrath they deserve. Here, here in verse 19 through 21, I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider and the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, that's the Antichrist, along with the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf. With these signs, they had deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Two of them were thrown alive into the fire lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Everywhere I look, you guys, it seems like, the, the, it seems like evil is winning. Uh, you know, an article came out just this week saying that nearly 30% of Americans uh, have no religion at all. That's up 10 points from just 10 years ago. The nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are the fastest growing religion, religious identity in America right now. Now, 60% of the nuns, came from Christian families. Uh, but they walked away from the faith of their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. There's a movement among ex-Christians called the deconstruction movement where people are being encouraged to walk away from the faith, to deconstruct their faith. Author and apologist Frank Turek stated, you guys see this on here, I've hardly ever seen a so-called deconstruction where somebody leaves Christianity, they deconstruct their faith, that does not involve somehow, somehow bring up sexual behavior as a reason they left Christianity. All right? There's been an all-out onslaught against the church by powerful people in government and media and positions of influence to deceive people into walking away from their faith, from walking away from Jesus Christ. Basically, using sexual behavior as the, as the, as the vehicle to do that. It's, it's, in the 60s, it was the free love movement of my parents' generation. In the 90s and 2000s, it was, it was the homosexual movement. And now it's transgenderism. Now it's living together outside of marriage. Now it's, it's degrading of marriage and family. Sex has been the vehicle for people to deconstruct. Notice it's not the resurrection. It's not the truth of Scripture. It's not any of those kinds of things that are causing people to walk away from faith. It's a deception being forced on people. They're powerful forces deceiving people away from Christ using sex as a vehicle. I want to see the people that did this receive the wrath they deserve. I do. These people have led millions of people away from Christ, deceiving them by fine-sounding words, deceiving them by, uh, by lies. I've had friends, family members, former church members, former students, everything walk away from the faith because of this. But those things aren't anything like what the Antichrist and the false prophet will do. They'll be drunk on power. They'll kill Christians like you and me. They will uh, be responsible for so much death and carnage and chaos. I want to see people who abuse their power be brought to justice, and that will happen when Jesus returns. Uh, they, these two won't just cause havoc on earth. They will be responsible for leading millions of people to hell. You understand how evil that is? For those, if you purposely and willingly lie and deceive people into squandering away their eternity, to lead people purposely into an eternity in hell forever, Jesus will grab them by the scruff of the neck and punt them into hell where they will receive the very life sentence they led everyone else to. They will no longer be able to wreak havoc or deceive people away. That's exactly what will happen when Jesus returns, and I look forward to that happening. We'll see the lies and the deception for what they truly are. 
The third reason I'm, I'm, I want to see uh, the return of Jesus, I want to see the saints who gave their lives for Christ vindicated. Revelation 20, verse 4, I saw the thrones on, on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark or on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There are countless people who have given their lives rather than renounce their faith. People whose faith stood firm in the midst of everyone else deconstructing. People who faced trial and beheading, Scripture says, and did not bow the knee to Satan or the Antichrist. People who refused to take the path of least, least resistance, whose faith stood firm to the end. These people will be lifted up and honored, Scripture says, on the, at the return of Christ. Scripture tells us that Jesus, after destroying the Antichrist, will reign for a thousand years, and these people will be reigning with them. Uh, what's the, so what's the point here? What's the point of this? The point is this. Stand firm. Stand firm. The Bible says in the end times, many will fall away from the faith. Jesus says their love will grow cold because of the increase in wickedness. Their love will grow cold, and, and they, they will be deceived by Satan into lukewarmness and complacency. Don't be that person, church. Don't. I look up to people whose faith is strong enough to stand the test. They are examples to me. Maybe because courage is so rare. I mean, most people are kind and loving. They really are. Most people really are. But very few are courageous. Courage is so prized in our culture, maybe because it's so rare. Most people, as wonderful as they are, and we know this, for true, this is true throughout history, most people, as wonderful as they are, will go along to get along, will keep their heads down, do what they're told, um, uh, and, and that's just the way it is. But not these people in Revelation. These people are different. These people refuse to keep, uh, keep their heads down, refuse to go along with what was being demanded of them, and prize Jesus even above the prospect of living. They had courage, and I want to see those people vindicated. And on the day Jesus returns, the people who love Jesus so much that they valued him above their very lives will be lifted up and celebrated, and they will receive all the, all the honor that is due them. I can't wait to see that. Reason number four, I'm, I, I'm eager for the return of Jesus. I want to see Satan receive the wrath he deserves. Um, Revelation 20, verse 10. This may be the most wonderful verse in all of Scripture. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. Everybody like highlight that one. And remember that when you're tempted. Remember that when you're, when you're despairing, when you're questioning your faith. Just remember that. Remember who wins and who loses, okay? It isn't Satan. I'm sick of Satan. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of his wrecking of marriages and homes. I'm sick of his locking people in the slavery of addiction. I'm sick of human trafficking and slavery and racism and lying and stealing and adultery and murder. I'm sick of this of blasphemy against Jesus and his wars and his destruction. I'm sick of sexual temptations and his violence and his ceaseless attacks on God's church. I'm sick of the discouragement that Satan sends my way every week, telling me that it's hopeless to try to win people to Christ, that the church is lukewarm and no one cares about the gospel, that preaching is a waste of time, that all Christians do is play church, no one's serious about it. Uh, to focus on the people sleeping in or lazing around or, or, or basking in the lukewarmness rather than focus on the people that faithfully, uh, faithfully live for Christ every day. I'm sick of that. Many times I feel like 
the martyrs uh, portrayed in Revelation 6 that cry out to God saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood? Satan was defeated by the cross and resurrection, you guys. But until Jesus returns, he'll still do his thing. The Bible says he'll be crushed and thrown into the lake of fire, but Satan doesn't want to go to hell alone, so he's working as hard as he can to take as many people with him as he can. Satan receiving the wrath he deserves can't happen soon enough. So I'm looking forward to that day, return of Christ, when Satan is no more. All the evil, all the lawless, all the chaos, all the despair, all the overdoses, all the, the everything, gone, because the father of that, Satan, is gone. Reason number five, I want to see the church receive the promises that Jesus gave us. Uh, Revelation 20, verse uh, 11 through 15. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name is not found written the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire on that day christians the church will realize it's all been worth it all been worth it we'll no longer need faith because we won't be waiting for anything to be fulfilled it will all be fulfilled now let me demonstrate this real quick in my hand i have a paper clip how many of you all believe that I have a paperclip in my hand? I'm going to see a show of hands. How many of you all believe that? Not many. Okay. Okay. It, I, I'm telling you that I have a paperclip in my hand. How many of you all believe I have a paperclip in my hand? Okay. You don't know, though. You have faith because I told you, but you don't know. Do you? You have to take that on faith. Well, I am going to destroy your faith right now. There it is. Now, now you don't have to have faith anymore because you see it. There's no longer any faith required to know that I have a paperclip in my hand. And the same is true of all the promises that Jesus has given the church that we've taken on faith, we will not need faith anymore because we will see them all. You imagine what that will be like. No longer will we need to have faith that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We will see it for ourselves. We'll no longer have, need to have faith to, to, to say that baptism was the right thing to do. We'll know it. We'll no longer have to have faith that staying faithful to our spouses and, and, and making honest decisions or living a life of integrity is the right thing because we'll see it. We won't have to have faith. We'll no longer be tempted by anything. We'll no longer be discouraged. We'll no longer be frustrated or stressed or defeated or abused or made fun of or insulted or anything like that. All the promises Christ gave the church now fulfilled. The problem, though, this passage of scripture shows us it'll be a great day for some people and a bad day for others. It depends on whether you're yearning or you're yawning. It's a big difference between yearning and yawning. Many people are yearning for the Lord's return. Others are yawning. They don't really want to see Jesus return. 
And those people typically stand in, in four different, fall into one of four categories. The first one is unbelief. They're people who don't really think that Jesus is going to return. And, uh, and so it's very difficult to, uh, to yearn for something you don't believe is going to happen. The second category is ignorance. Many people just don't know that Jesus is supposed to return. Um, uh, and when I was, uh, I didn't really know much about it until I heard sermons on about age 24 when I was in seminary. I didn't know anything about the return of Jesus. The third reason is fear. There are many, uh, the apathy that many Christians feel towards the return of Christ, boiled down to the, uh, driven by the fear that they're not saved. You know, maybe they fear that Jesus will turn on one of their bad days. You know, that kind of thing. I remember a minister telling us we shouldn't go to movies. Uh, he, he said, what? If you're in a movie and the trumpet sounds. Man, I was like eight years old. I was scared to death. And, and I, 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 was, I was scared that, that I'd be in a movie and Jesus would return and I'd spend the rest of eternity like, hey, did you see how that movie ended? You know, I, 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 I was terrified, man, because I thought that Jesus would have turned on one of my bad days. People who, don't, people who think that don't know Jesus because people who think that don't know how, what amazing day it will be. And the fourth one is probably the most sly. It's just worldliness. It's just many people can't get fired about, up about Jesus' return because they, just, they simply like things the way they are. You know, they're lukewarm and loving it, comfortable with their lives, believing Satan's lies it sounds not really that sounds not really that big a deal. And they prefer things not to change. I mean, they want the Lord to return, you know, but like 10,000 years in the future, like not now, not now. You know, sometime after I've already kind of passed on, yeah, but just not now, Lord, because I kind of like things the way they are. But the promises Jesus made to the church that were saved by grace through faith, that all who surrender to Jesus and surrender to his, their lives to him are cleansed forever. And those who love him with their heart, soul, mind, and strength will never die, but have eternal life. All those fulfilled. For many in here, that would be a great day. Many of us online, it would be a great day. For many of us, it will be a bad day. And, and whether or not it's a great day or a bad day, it's totally up to you. But make no mistake, on that day, Jesus will fulfill every single promise he ever made to the church and his followers. Not one promise will go unfulfilled. Not one. And I can't wait to see that day. The sixth reason I want to see the return of Jesus is this. I want to see Jesus make everything new. Listen to how beautiful this passage of Scripture is. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I want to see God's creation redeemed. I want to see God's creation brought back to the way God intends it to be. I've had enough of the other way. I've had enough of the other way. I want to see how things are when God is running the show. But more than that, I want to see people restored to who they were originally created to be. Um, I want to see the beautiful, kind child who had his kindness 
and joy beaten out of him by abusive parents who became a jerk and a loudmouth to protect himself. I want to see that person restored to what they were before all that happened to them. I, I, I want to see the musician whose dreams were laughed at and ridiculed and mocked so that he never pursued that, restored to the person God created him to be. I, I want to see the addict who destroyed her life with drugs restored to the person that, was, that, that God made, the, made her to be before all of that happened. You guys see what I mean? I want to see God make everything new the way it was supposed to be. I want to see all that more. I want to see how things are when they're 100% as God intends them to be. It's the, 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 the God making everything new basically brings us back to Eden before the fall, before sin, before all this other stuff. That's what is prophesied in Revelation, and I believe it's going to happen. I want to be in place with no more death or mourning or crying or pain because that was never in God's original design for this world. No more overdoses. No more children dying. No more sin or war or violence. Nothing but the 24-7 presence of God himself in a place where God, uh, things are as God intends them to be. See, Scripture tells us wherever the Holy Spirit of God is, there are nine things. We talk about them all the time. There are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control. 24-7 presence of that made everything new. He says, I'm making everything new. And I want you to notice something about that. It's present tense. It's not, I have made everything new and I'm done. Or I will make things new sometime in the future. He says, I am making everything new. Constantly. Never ceasing. Every second of every day being made new. Every second. Every half second. Every millisecond. Everything being made new. We can't even fathom that as Christians. As people. That's what's going to happen. And because seven is the number of completion, it's the biblical number, here's my seventh reason, and this is deeply personal, and this is uh, uh, kind of selfish, I guess. But I want to experience heaven. In 1 Peter 1, 3-4, he writes this, Peter writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power till the coming of salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. Like I said, this is kind of a selfish one. If you're a Christian, you receive an inheritance. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Like I said, I want to experience heaven. I, you guys, I want to see my son who died 17 years ago. I only had 10 days with him. I can't wait to make up for all this lost time with him. I miss him so much. Just to see him again, what a joy. And the promise of heaven is I'll spend an eternity with him. I want to see my grandparents. I want to see my Christian friends and my family who've died and gone on to be with the Lord. I want to see pastors, Who've, been, who've, who've mentored me, people like Brad Walden and Wayne Smith who had time for a young punk like me and were so examples to me of finishing strong and not quitting. You guys imagine what that will be. How many of you all have people that you can't wait to see? The promise of heaven, the return of Christ. This is when that happens, you all. I want to see Paul. 
I want to see Peter and the disciples. And, and I want to see the great saints that have gone on before me. And I want to talk with them. And I, I want to see, I want to tell them what an example they've been to me, how I've learned from them, and how much their example inspired me. But all of that pales in comparison, you all, to the real reason I want to experience heaven. Most of all, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him so bad. I want to run straight through the gates of heaven. And I want to pass the streets of gold, pass all the beauty. None of that really will matter, honestly. Because all of that is, is just nothing compared to the one who's on the throne. And I want, to, I want to run straight into the throne room. I want to see Jesus face to face. And I want to thank him. The first words out of my mouth are just going to be thank you. Because I know what Jesus has saved me from. I know my old, dead, stupid, rebellious, blasphemous self. I know that person, and I don't want that anymore. And I know that without Jesus, I would still be that person, and I would still be his lost, and my eternal destination would be hell without Jesus. So I just want to go in there, and I want to have a worship service with Jesus on the throne, and I just want to, I, that's, that's what I want to do. I can't wait. And that's, that, that is going to be the most amazing thing People ask me why I'm a pastor. It's real simple, you guys. I know what Jesus saved me from, and I want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can, as I can because I know what he's, what, what's in our future if we don't. That's why I've dedicated my life to this. But the, to that moment, that is the moment I dedicated my life to. I can't wait. See, people, when you love someone, you want to be with them. And that's, what de that's why death hurts us so much, you all. Even if they're believers in Christ, we know where they are. But it's a separation, right? It's the void in our lives. When you love someone, you want to be with them. If you love Jesus Christ, you want to be with them. Return of Christ, him being present with you. It's the greatest day of your life. You love someone. I invite the band to come on back up. See, guys, it's a separation that hurts. It's wanting to be with them and not being able to. Well, in heaven, that will never happen again. Never. There will never be any separation of you and Jesus, you and your loved ones, you and, and the people that God has redeemed. There will never be any more separation. So if you love Jesus, you want to be with him. And that's why, main reason, I'm longing for Christ's return. So I want to be with him. Here, you guys, is an exhaustive list of all my reasons why I'm not panicking with what's going on in the world right now. That's my exhaustive list. Because I know Jesus, because I know what he's promised, because I know what the future is. We win. Jesus wins. To see Jesus win and just be part of that celebration be the greatest thing in the world. And it will be the second greatest day in history. The first being when Jesus conquered death as a resurrection. Now, if you are here today and you don't know whether or not you will be in heaven with Jesus, it's real simple. It's real simple. Jesus has said, listen, your old, dead, awful, terrible way of life is killing you. And because of that, you deserve hell. 
but because of me, because I came to, came to earth, because I died on a cross, I took your sins away, and I resurrected, I conquered death, so that all who believe in me will not perish, but have eternal life. That is the free offer open to you today. Some, many of you have taken it, some of you have not. Mike, to those of you that have not, knowing how this thing ends, knowing how the world ends, knowing this, what are you waiting for? What Jesus, what, 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 uh, uh, what happened in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached the first Christian sermon after the resurrection, it said they were cut to the heart, and they said, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that same invitation is open to you today. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If anyone is ready to do that, we will do that this week because time, I believe, is short. So those of you that have never been baptized, never repented, never become a Christian, I want to open that to you right now. Come talk with me afterwards. Let's get together this week and let's talk about it. And we'll be happy to baptize you into the new life Jesus Christ offers to all who call on his name. Now I'm going to invite everybody to stand up and we're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here we go.